Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to Hospitality and Seeing Clearly by Reverend Ruth Boven. Friends, this morning we continue our series on biblical hospitality, and we'll be looking this morning at Luke 7. As you turn there, that's going to feel very familiar because we looked at this exact passage last week as well. When Reverend Yonker mapped out this hospitality series, he felt like there were such rich insights in this particular story that we could do it twice. So we look at it from a different angle this morning. So Luke 7, we'll begin at verse 36, and we'll actually this morning read through chapter 8, verse 3. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went out to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, as Peter pointed out last week, this is sort of code word for prostitute, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner." Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cuzza, 
the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is the word of the Lord. So I went to see my optometrist recently. I don't love eye exams. My apologies to any of you involved in that area of of medicine, though I guess I really don't dread them as much as dental exams. Sorry to Jim and Chris and the many others here this morning. So you know how it goes, right? The optometrist or an assistant runs a variety of tests on your eyes so that they can help you find the prescription that's going to help you see most clearly. As you likely know, one of the tests has you looking through sort of this binocular type apparatus that places different lenses in front of your eyes. Now those early lenses are often disturbingly fuzzy or or distorted as you keep identifying which image is clearer, the first or the second, one or two, A or B. (laughs) Well, I find this kind of comical, but also a little bit anxiety-producing because I so badly want to get it right. I I want my prescription to turn out effectively. I want to go about life seeing as clearly as I possibly can. Well, last week when we considered this same story in Luke, we, we looked at it from the perspective of the condition of our heart. Are they closed in evaluation of others, or are they open in humble hospitality toward others? This morning, we're going to look at that same story from the angle of our eyes, the way we see. And you and I, and the whole church, we want to get this right. Because we want to, and we need to, see the world around us clearly. As clearly as we possibly can. But seeing well, seeing clearly, is something that's actually really hard for us to do. Why? Well, because there are all kinds of distorted lenses that the world wants to push on us. There are all kinds of distorted lenses through which we look at the world. And they're pushed on us at school and at work and on social media. One of the things those distorted lenses do is cause us to see only superficially. They allow us to look at a person for only what's on the surface, what's superficial, what's quickly apparent. Then what our mind does, quickly and often even unconsciously, is we categorize that person. 
categories that come quickly to mind like cool, beautiful, happy, successful, smart, rich, winner. And when it's a person that seems a little more on the margins of society, our categories might get labeled with things like poor, weak, lazy, different, loose, weird, loser, sinner. You know, using those categories or labels sometimes make us feel better in the moment. Because there's something nice and tidy about putting things in their proper places in our mind. But Jesus warns that when we do that, we have missed something profound about that person. We have missed seeing them rightly. And that is to our great loss. To get at that concern, Jesus asks Simon the Pharisee a really important question. So after Jesus gives his parable, Simon, as you heard, reluctantly admits that he supposes that the one who is forgiven much will love much. Jesus turns to the sinful woman and asks Simon, do you see this woman? Well, the answer, of course, is no. Simon doesn't see the woman. Not the way Jesus does, anyway. And what's truly sad about Simon's distorted vision is that while it isn't good for the woman to be viewed in this superficial way, it is also not good for Simon. What Jesus wants Simon to know is that when we see others through the lens that Jesus wears, it is not only good for them, it is good for us. It changes us. It shapes us. It forms us into better people, into people who have a greater capacity for joy and for love and for welcome. As we together build a welcoming community in which God lives by God's Spirit. There's a recent story that's gone viral about a fourth grade boy who happens to be a huge University of Tennessee fan. The students at his elementary school are invited every year on what's called College Color Day to wear shirts that are associated with the colors of their favorite college team. Now, though this boy was a huge U of T, University of Tennessee fan, he didn't actually own a UT t-shirt. So because he so badly wanted to participate in this day, that clever boy went and found 
an orange t-shirt in his closet, put it on, and then pinned a homemade sign on the front with handwritten U-T. And he wore it to school. Well, that day at lunchtime, sitting near him, were some girls. And I'm pretty sure that they were wearing distorted lenses in their glasses. Because what they proceeded to do was mock and tease that boy for his homemade T-shirt. His, his teacher noticed that after lunch, the boy came into class, put his head down on his desk, and wept. Well, that's not where the story ends. Because the teacher was so bothered by what happened that she reached out through social media to see if in some way the university might do something special for him. Well, as you may have heard, did they ever. They sent to this boy not only a real UT t-shirt, they included a whole load of UT logo paraphernalia. They even took his handmade UT logo that he had made, and they printed it onto t-shirts to be sold in their gift shop. The orders currently stand at over 16,000. As you can imagine, the boy's mom was a bit overwhelmed, but very grateful for all of this. Listen to her response. Thank you, she said to Miss Snyder, for taking the time to stand up for her student and for caring enough to do so. Thank you to the University of Tennessee and everyone involved in sending him that package. Thank you to the kind alumni that paid for shipping. And most of all, thank you for seeing in my son what we see in him every day. How we see others matters. The girls at that lunch table obviously saw the boy differently than his mother did. In the same way, Simon the Pharisee saw the sinful woman differently than did Jesus. But what was the difference? How did Jesus see the woman differently than Simon did? Here's one way to think about it. Simon, the girls at the lunch table, were seeing from below with the lenses they'd been given by the world. But there is a different and better way to see. It's called seeing from above. It's about seeing another person first through the lens of their having been created 
by the God of the universe who carefully knit them together in their mother's womb. When we see from above, through a clearer lens, what we see first about every single human being is that they are created in the image of God and beloved of God. Despite any other label that might come quickly to mind, the first most important label that belongs to every person is beloved. And there's really good news about seeing in this way. For when we see that the deepest and truest thing about another person is that though they may be broken, broken by sin, broken by circumstances, broken by this cruel world we live in, they are beloved. We're reminded of our own brokenness, but also of our own belovedness. We become more aware that that's the deepest, truest thing about me and about you. And when that truth gets lived out among us, in a community of faith like us, our capacity for welcome stretches and grows. Father Gregory Boyle is a Jesuit priest who has served in the poorest, riskiest, most gang-infested parish of the Catholic Church in the U.S. Perhaps you've heard of him. He spoke for Kelvin's January series in 2011. Boyle is well known for the work that he's done in L.A. helping young people caught in that nearly impossible web to escape from of gang activity in L.A. To talk about all of Boyle's efforts in this area would take much longer than we have, but here's what Boyle does so beautifully. You can read about it in his book, Tattoos on the Heart. Boyle claims that as he lives out this radical idea that those with whom he works are beloved of God, as Boyle sees them from above, he is more convinced of his own brokenness and of his own belovedness. Reading his book, you realize that in many ways, Father Gregory, or Father G, as some of the gang members call him, or even G-Dog, he's acted in many ways as a father to these recovering gang members. I was so moved in reading about one of the recovering gang members. His name is Caesar. And his intimidating size and persona commanded awe and attention from anyone even daring to look at him. 
Caesar liked it that way. In charge, in control, holding tightly to the benefits of his appearance that, that God and life had afforded him. But late one day, about 3 a.m., Boyle receives a phone call from Caesar, who's sober, and it's urgent. I gotta ask you a question. You know how I've always seen you as my father ever since I was a little kid? Well, I have to ask you something. Caesar pauses and the gravity of it all makes his voice waver and crumble. Have I been your son? Well, of course you've been my son, says Boyle. Oh, phew, Caesar exhales. I, I thought so. Then mixed with gentle sobbing, Caesar says, then I will be your son, and you will be my father, and nothing will separate us, right? That's right, answers Boyle. In that early morning call, Boyle reflects, Caesar did not discover that he had a father. He discovered that he was a son worth having. Boyle says that the fact that his own life circumstances were never such that he had to even consider being part of a gang did not make him morally superior, morally superior to any one of those gang members. Quite the opposite, he writes. I have come to see with greater clarity that that day will simply never come when I am more noble, more courageous, or am closer to God than the folks whose lives fill those pages of my book. What Caesar needed to know is what we all need to know, that I am, that you are a beloved child of God. You are a daughter. You are a son who is a child worth having. Today is the day the Christian Reformed Church thinks about the great value of every person, particularly those who are more vulnerable among us to abuse. The curriculum the denomination uses teach, teach our children that because they are unique and valued and children of God, they are encouraged to imagine that circle of grace around them. That circle is special because they are special to God. And because God is present with them in that circle, it is holy ground. It is a sacred place. 
And the goal of that curriculum is to empower children to recognize when that circle of grace is being threatened or broken. This got me thinking. What if, as we strive to see others from above, we too imagine a circle of grace around them? A holy circle of grace because they too bear the image of God and so God is within it. A holy circle of grace that says, this person in front of me, no matter what kind of label they've been given, is first of all beloved and within God's circle of grace. And it's the same for you. Despite whatever label you've ever been given, you are first of all beloved of God and within God's circle of grace. Friends, God was born into this world and lifted up on a cross to make it so. And seeing there from above all people, he died so that our souls may find their worth. What a true thrill of hope in which our weary world can rejoice. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful to be your beloved children, living within a circle of grace. May we too respect and honor others created in your image and see them too from above and within your circle of grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.